Beathard sets up deep in the pocket. Goes down the field for Smith. Fifty-six yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Don't miss a thing from the world of college football. Stay right here for College Gridiron on WFUV Sports. Welcome into another edition of College Gridiron. A little bit different due to the weather here on this Friday in the Bronx. What a week it was last week in week four, last Saturday, of course. All those ranked matchups we have, we'll get into those in a little bit. We'll give you some sleepers and some locks we have for the college football playoff. Our first time really talking about the college football playoff on Gridiron this year. Then we'll get into some matchups we got next week. We got LSU, Ole Miss, and then we'll, of course, wrap it up with our game picks of the week. I'm Merrick Rhodes, joined by Bridge Gotham and Jack Warner. How are you guys doing on this rainy day? I mean, I think I just finally yeah, dried off, dude. I don't know. I bridge, <laughs> I, same I, here, I, dude. It's I Bridge, I got to get the stats because I, I've dried off. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those days, and I feel like I haven't seen the sun in maybe a week. And it's funny that we're talking about college football because the last football game played here at Fordham was last Saturday, and it was a downpour. Fordham took care of business. Yeah, they they shot out Stonehill, but I don't know if anybody showed up to that game. I mean, it was raining all day, and I just it you know I was abroad in London last semester. This feels like London to me. Gray skies, raining all the time. I'm like, come on, where's the sun? Because let's enjoy September while it lasts. Because as everyone knows, football weather's on the rise. It's coming, and that means leaves changing colors. Temperatures going down, getting those jackets out, getting those jeans out. So that's how I'm feeling. But it's a Friday. So you know what? I'll take it. The seasonal depression starting to kick in a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, dude. It seems like it seems like that's been a theme of this whole semester. It's just it's just rain and clouds. The sun, the sun just kind of hasn't existed. But I mean, I think I think one way that we could brighten up this this cloudy day is getting some college football, getting some of those big matchups we had last week. Obviously, it was the most ranked matchups in a Saturday slate since 2015. And I think we 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 ought to start out with the with the biggest of all of them. Obviously, the primetime matchup: number six Ohio State and number nine Notre Dame. Ohio State coming out on top with the 17-14 win with a last-second touchdown nonetheless. That's Ohio State's sixth straight win in this series against Notre Dame, with Notre Dame's last win coming in 1936. Bit of a a slower day for Kyle McCord, 21 for 37, 240 yards, but led a great drive to end the game. And Travion Henderson, 14 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown with Trip Trianum getting the rush TD game winner with one second left. So before we get into more of the – minuscule details of the game what were your guys overview of the game as a whole and if, if you were watching you're watching the game what, what were your thoughts going through it yeah no I was definitely watching the game I marked my calendar this was definitely the game of the week and I think going into the game the way that I looked at it is I said okay look at these two teams and look at their schedules I said Notre Dame needs this more than Ohio State in terms of needing the win now don't get me wrong both teams needed the win but Notre Dame needed it more, right? Because, you know, they're an independent. The, the way that their schedule works, a win over in Ohio State 
would have sent Ohio State season, uh, you know, into a downward spiral. Now, this is, yeah, this was an old school game, right? 17-14, the final. And I'd say that fourth quarter, those last two minutes especially, you know, talk about a finish to a game. I mean, I don't think you would ever seen a buzzer beater outside of the game of basketball until you watch this. And, of course, you know, they ended up putting a second back on the clock. But, you know, the way that that last drive went for Ohio State, it was really like, I can't believe they're going to win this football game because of how good it looked for Notre Dame going into that. But this is a win that Ohio State desperately needed as well. Uh, because, you know, they play their cupcake schedule to start the season, but they didn't look as good as people thought they would, right? You know, they didn't, a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, maybe it's Penn State, maybe it's Michigan that's going to win the Big Ten. Um, but Ohio State, I think, to get a big ranked win over Notre Dame, huge for them, and I think they're going to be rolling up until they play Penn State. Yeah, I mean, I... I completely... I, I, oh. Go ahead. Oh, sorry about that. I think the connection is really off. Um, no, I was going to say that I, I completely agree with everything he said. But the other thing that I found personally a little bit interesting about this game is while I do agree that Notre Dame is a very well-rounded team this year and is absolutely, you know, a contender to be. I mean, they're currently at the number nine spot, but or but um, or actually, I think now they dropped down to number 11. But, um, you know, I think while. Notre Dame is a very legitimate contender this year. I do think that a big factor that should make Ohio State even more proud of this win is the fact that they went into one of the toughest, you know, environments to be an opposing team. And, you know, a primetime game in South Bend, Indiana is a very, very scary sight as an opposing team. And I think that that actually did – I think Ohio State – matches up you know matched up with Notre Dame way better than Notre Dame matched up with Ohio State if we're being if we're being completely honest and I think a big factor of what made this game more of a nail-biter and worked in Notre Dame's favor was the fact that for was the sole fact that it was in South Bend I don't think that's the only reason but I think that that's a huge contributing factor to it and so I think that's just another layer of the sort of impressive nature of Ohio State's win is that they went into a very very tough environment to have to be an opposing team and in a prime time setting in a prime time slate and went in and handled business yeah I mean I totally agree with what both you guys were saying I mean any win on the road especially in an environment like Notre Dame is huge and like you said Bridge I mean there were a lot of questions about this Ohio State team myself included I had a lot of questions about Kyle McCord and his ability to lead the Buckeyes offense and while his stat line won't jump off the page at you with 240 yards. He didn't, he didn't have a passing touchdown in the game, but he really impressed on that last drive. I mean, he had, he had a 23 yard third down conversion, a fourth down conversion converted on a third and 19 just outside the red zone to set up, obviously the game winning touchdown on the one. And I think, I think this game also impressed me because it was, it was not a high scoring game. I feel like I, I thought it was going to be more high scoring, but I, two great defenses, but I think this Ohio State offense just showed a lot more than the Notre Dame offense. I think we should go into a little bit about the Ohio State offense and just kind of the people who who had it going. And I think we we have to start out by talking about Travion Henderson, who had 14 carries, 104 yards, and a rushing touchdown. Do you guys think that Travion Henderson is the next among this growing, growing list of Ohio State running backs that are just strong runners that can get in the end zone? Yeah, I mean, he reminds me a lot of Ezekiel Elliott. You know, he was back at Ohio State all those years ago. Just a guy, you know, you can ground and pound, get you 100-plus yards a game. And 
he had that one run that went for, I think it was like 60 something yards. Um, like, you know, in college, when guys can explode like that, you know, it's a lot different in the NFL, you know, in college, you make a couple guys miss, you know, see you later, you're going all the way. Right. You know, so if you can make those moves and make those cuts, uh, I think he can definitely play at the next level. And I think for an Ohio state team that, like you mentioned, you know, Kyle McCord at quarterback does not wow you at the stat sheet to be able to have that option to hand the ball off. I think definitely serves you well. I completely agree. And I think he has the perfect mixture of, of power and finesse. I think you see certain people in the backfield for, you know, when it comes to running backs and, and fullbacks where, you know, you have your certain guys that are more bulldozer, LeGarrette Blunt types who are, you know, who really gain yardage off their physicality and being being able to, to, to you know, make yardage after the hit. And then you have guys that are just quick as all hell and 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 are really hard to get your hands on. And I think what we saw from this game was that he is a really nice mixture of those two where he's able to get physical, he's able to get hit and still be able to rack up yards for you, but then also just has very, very, very nice speed that I think complements his physicality incredibly well. That 61-yard touchdown was so just – it, it, you you didn't you didn't even really comprehend that the the play was going there until he's he's halfway down the field and you're like oh my god you know it was out of nowhere um i think he's definitely somebody who takes a lot of pressure off mccord which which even though i don't think mccord is someone who necessarily needs you know is not somebody it's i'm not necessarily saying that he's somebody who can't handle pressure because i think he is a great leader but when you have Bridge said where he doesn't, you know, like uh, Travion Henderson in the backfield. Um, I think that that's an incredibly large asset. Yeah, and that 61-yard touchdown, it reminded me of the J.K. Dobbins, I'm pretty sure it was, touchdown against, I think, I'm pretty sure Clemson in one of the one of the college football playoffs a couple of years ago where he where he just had that similar kind of hole up the middle and just and just burst through it and just had that speed that only a couple guys can really tap into. But I think another aspect of what made this game so good for Travion Henderson and also Emeka Ibuka, who also had a good game with seven receptions, 96 yards, is that during that 61-yard rushing touchdown, Marvin Harrison Jr., he injured his leg, but he was back the next drive. But obviously, he was limited in this game, just three receptions, 32 yards. So so it was really big for Ibuka and Henderson to step up. It was the most carries and yards in a game this season for Henderson and the same most receptions, most yards this, in a game this season for Ibuka. But I think that another aspect of this game that ultimately goes unnoticed with that, with that final drive that Ohio State was able to put together and how good the offense looked is how good this Ohio State defense looked in this game as well. They limited uh, a Heisman candidate this year to just 175 yards in the air and just a touchdown and a running back who has scored a touchdown in every game this season to just 70 yards and no scores. I mean, they really held this Notre Dame defense against the ropes for most of the game until obviously Sam Hartman was able to get that touchdown to Rico Flores, I believe, but this Ohio state defense did a lot of limiting against an, an offense that had been really, really high powered with a quarterback who had a lot of Heisman gas going into this game. So, so what did you guys think of this Ohio state defense and how they looked on Saturday night? Oh, they look legit. I mean, I think anytime you go into a college football game and you know, you're looking at all the scores in the ESPN app or whatever, and you see 60 something, 50 something, but when you see those two scores in the teams, you know the defenses came to play. And I think Ohio State, especially, you talk about a guy in Sam Hartman playing quarterback, 
uh, for Notre Dame, right? And you talk about how good he is, how he's a Heisman candidate. And Ohio State, they made him look human. I mean, because through Notre Dame's first four games, I mean, Hartman looked amazing. And all of a sudden, now you're holding this guy to 175 yards, you know, only just, you know, one touchdown, a quarterback rating that was much lower to what we're used to. I think that says a lot about Ohio State's, you know, defense, uh, because people forget, look, college football is all about offense, right? That's, you know, you see so many more points. It's why people were surprised the Dolphins in the NFL put up 70. They're like, this feels like a college game. The value of defense in college is so important because when a team can actually play defense, that changes the whole scope of the game. And, you know, Ohio State's defense was doing well the whole season. It's their offense that hadn't really come alive yet, and we're still sort of waiting for their offense to come alive. Um, but I think what they say, right, offense wins games, defense wins championships. I think Ohio State has a championship defense. Yeah, and I think the other thing that was really impressive out of Ohio State's defense specifically was they took away Hartman's options downfield. If you if you watched – you know, when you watch that game, if you look at Hartman's stat line, because we do keep mentioning how he was only held to 175 yards, he he honestly, if you if you take what you saw in terms of his completions and just look at it on its own, Sam Hartman didn't really play a bad game. In fact, he had pretty quick reads. His throws were accurate. He had, you know, he had a couple runs, you know, to get out to escape pressure that um it worked out well for him the problem was he and he went 17 for 25 which that's not a bad day at all the problem is Ohio State gave him nothing to work with downfield everything that every completion he made was in short yardage it was to and you know they they were able to apply the pressure at times but you know there were no sufficient opportunities for Notre Dame's offense to get any huge pieces of momentum because there was really not a whole lot of opportunities for them to gain big quantities of yardage. Ohio state kept things very short. They pressured Sam Hartman really well and, and yeah, basically made a pretty fast cutthroat offense that again is led by a Heisman caliber quarterback, you know, really just kept them in a cage the entirety of the game. Yeah. I mean, this was an impressive win for Ohio state, no doubt. And I think like you mentioned before, bridge it's it's natural to just look forward i mean immediately when we when we when i was putting together the rundown for this week i i was looking forward at both of these teams schedules just some of the game some of the games remaining for these teams i mean notre dame number 17 duke coming up this week on the road they have usc who's ranked number eight right now upcoming in the schedule they have to go to death valley to play clemson later in the year who who's had a shaky year but but was was a high expectation team coming in Ohio State, they have Maryland this week, who, who's been a good team this year with obviously two his younger brother leading the ship. They have a game against Penn State and at Michigan to close out their season. So with the tw- top 25 movement, Ohio State moves up from number six to number four and Notre Dame drops from number nine to number 11. So my question that I wanted to bring up to you guys that I kind of was thinking of looking through this the information and the future of both of these teams is, which of these teams do you think has a higher likelihood of making the playoffs in the long run? I would say it's Ohio state. And I think it's, I don't think it's close. I think, I think you just have to look at it purely based on the fact that right now, Ohio state undefeated Notre Dame's not. And the way it works is that, yeah, you can get into the playoff with one loss, but there's a lot of other factors at at stake at this point. If Ohio state runs the table, they're in and there's no debate. Of course they still have to run the table. And there's a lot of different factors that can go on, but I think Ohio state has a better chance, but I also do think that Ohio state plays a tougher schedule 
I think that the games against Penn State and Michigan, right? Those are those are two of probably arguably the toughest games. I think the only real tough challenge under Dame's schedule left is that USC. I don't think Duke is not going to be easy, but I think that they'll win that game. I think they'll win that game. Um, and I think at Clemson, it's not that tough of a game. They're not as good this year. I think the USC game is the toughest game left on Notre Dame's schedule. But if you're Ohio State, to have to go at Michigan that last week for the game, I mean, that's a tough challenge uh, because that, that game is really to see which, which team from the Big Ten is going to make that leap uh, to the playoff most likely. I'm also going to say Ohio State because I think a lot of people overlook how subjective the decision for college football playoff teams are and the type of argument and deliberation that goes into making those decisions. Um, you know, we always hear arguments every year, even, you know, I've, I've, I've said in, in past that, you know, it feels like you get the same thing every year with the college football playoff. You get, you know, one and two and sometimes three are a lock. Four usually sneaks in and ends up getting destroyed by the one seed in one of the semifinals. And then there's always a five and a six who people are really, really, really upset that the four was chosen over five and six. My point being is that there's always people who balance the strength of schedules over. Some, there's some people who value strength of schedule over quantity of losses. There's some people who you know, value what conference they're in over. There are people that were upset that TCU was in the final four last year. I'm excuse me, the college football playoff, switching up basketball, football. Um, they were, there are people upset that TCU was in the college football playoff year coming off an undefeated season because they were in the big 12. I don't know if we might have lost. We might have lost Jack. We might have lost Jack there for for a minute. So I guess I'll 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 start up my take because See, because obviously oh. pending they might be losing them this again. rain. This rain is giving us some trouble right now. A little bit of technical difficulties with the torrential so, storms outside. We apologize. Yes. Yeah, there is a national weather alert out. So so we need we need a little slack cut here. But I'll, I'll start giving my spiel. I'm actually going to be. Oh. oh man. Um, Jack, I... you're cut. You're cutting in and out. I'm gonna see if I can yeah. mute him really um, quick. Oh, did we get him back? Can you hear me? Yeah, you yep, can hear you. It's a like insane. Maybe if yeah, you turn you're your looking, camera off, it's it like insanely delayed. Sorry about that, boys. It keeps saying. Yeah, you're good. Don't worry about it. Let me see. Yeah, I was saying I can maybe hear you if, better now. Yeah, maybe without the video taking up all the bandwidth or whatever, that might work. That out could be. That could be a part of it. Um, we hear you better now. Yeah, it's working now. All right. Anyway, what I was saying after all of that uh, is that the subjective nature of the way people argue and deliberate about the college football playoff, I feel like the strength of schedule is not is not even comparable between those two teams. And some of that is just an unfortunate reality of Notre Dame being an independent team. I get they have some of their, you know, yearly matchups against USC and Stanford that some years are very 
you know, sought after in some years or not as much. This year, the USC game will mean a lot, but I don't think any other game in their schedule is really comparable to what Ohio State has staring them in the face the rest of the season. So pending Ohio State keeps winning games, I don't think it's even close that Ohio State is definitely more cut out out for a nod to the college I I definitely agree with you guys in the fact that Notre Dame or Ohio State, sorry, proved this week that they're definitely a more well-rounded team than Notre Dame. What scares me really is just the schedule that that Ohio State has because a team that's going in with two losses is is it's going to be tough regardless of if it's if it's Penn State, Michigan. It seems like it seems like beyond. I mean, I guess some years two losses is is enough to get you in, but. I just think Notre Dame's schedule is 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 much better, and I think that if Sam Hartman can build, continue building a Heisman case, I think that could potentially sway some voters. But I I do agree that Ohio State is in a better position to make the playoff. But I just think the schedule is the is the one thing that Notre Dame does have in their favor, and the lack of a conference championship opportunity for Notre Dame is is a negative for them, obviously. But moving on to to another conference championship that went down last weekend, we had the Pac-2 championship. as The Pac-2, Oregon, baby. Number 14, Oregon State traveled up to Washington to take on number 21, Washington State, with Washington State walking away with the 38-35 victory. Washington State's quarterback, Cameron Ward, finished the day 28 for 34 with 404 yards and four touchdowns. Wide receiver Josh Kelly, eight receptions, 159 yards, and three touchdowns. But, I mean, the Oregon State rushing offense was electric. I mean, Deshaun Fenwick, 11 carries, 101 yards, three touchdowns. Damian Martinez, 17 carries, 81 yards. What were, what, what are you guys' thoughts on this game? Because I, I've we've talked about Washington State in the past this year on, on College Gridiron, and I, I got to say, I'm, I'm high on Washington State. I, I like their team. Washington State's very good. Again, I think the final score is very misleading here. You know, Washington State very much controlled this game. Uh, Oregon State got a few scores toward the end, but, you know, with nine minutes to go in the game, Washington State was up 38-21, right? They were were blowing them out. Obviously, you know, Oregon State made it close at the end, but ultimately fell short. Washington State really does look good, and I know we all laugh, you know, calling it the Tupac championship or the, you know, Pac-2, whatever you want to call it, because – you know, they're the last two teams and who knows what the future is for them in, in 2024 and, and beyond with regard to the Pac-12. I mean, it's so sad seeing the Pac-12 is having a historic year, right? This is finally the culmination of a lot of these teams that have been not so good, right? I mean, I think they have the most ranked teams out of any Power 5 conference. You know, they're doing so many things well and the fact that, you know, it's all being torn apart for, you know, different teams both in the different conferences like it's it's sad to see that because you cannot you now see how great the Pac-12 is but you know back to this game excuse me the Washington State looked very 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 good I will say though Oregon State you know Fenway going for 100 yards and three touchdowns like you know no slouch at all you know or but I I think you know I hadn't been on gridiron but you know you mentioned you talked about Washington State don't sleep on them they're a very very good team um and I think they're, you know, they moved up in the rankings quite a bit. They were 21. Now they're up to 16 and they're going to continue to rise. And I'd say just you know, keep an eye on them. They're, you know, they're, they might be here for a while. Jack, any thoughts on this Washington State victory? It seems like he might be trying to rejoin us, but I, I like Washington State because I like 
Cameron Ward. I think Cameron Ward's great, but I think I think overall it's a great win for the Pack Two as we talk talk about it. As these two teams had their mascots, I don't know if you saw the mascots riding out on the golf carts with holding the opposite team's flag, showing some solidarity as these two plan on building the Pack Twelve back up next year, as they've been talking about. But I think this win was great for those two teams and that goal that they have in mind because it was a really entertaining game. And I think that Washington State has some some fire to them and some some they're on a hot streak that they could really attract some teams like the Mountain the Mountain West potentially coming over to join them because they have two big wins this year at home. They have a week two win against at the time number nineteen Wisconsin, which they won by nine, and then of course this win against. Obviously, last weekend ranked number fourteen Oregon State in in a high scoring game. Now the rest of the way, the rest of the way does scare me a little bit because you have at number nine Oregon, which I mean, all all, all things considered, could be a matchup of two six and O teams, which would be a really interesting game. An awesome game. They have, of course, Colorado coming to town, which will be interesting. I mean, I mean, who knows who the better team is after after what happened with Colorado? Obviously, last week. And then the toughest one, I think, is closing it out on the road. Rivalry game. Number seven, Washington. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a tough one. But Washington State coach Jake Dickert said, I'll say it again, we belong. And I mean, if you if you want to prove you belong, you gotta you gotta run that gauntlet and you gotta get through those teams, you know? Absolutely. And I think you talked about what Washington State's done already. You know, they basically doubled up Colorado State's score 50 to 24. And you know, people don't really usually care about Colorado State, but because of, you know, Colorado. And they, you know, they came into the forefront of conversations a couple of weeks ago and, you know, they nearly beat Colorado, right. You know, that game went to, went to overtime. So clearly uh, if Washington state can beat, you know, a team like Colorado state convincingly taking care of a Wisconsin team that might not be as good as people thought, but you know, no less was a ranked team at the time. Right. And, and then of course, Oregon state. Now I'm, I'm going to look at the rest of the season here and they go to UCLA next week. I think they win that game. I think they'll win at home against Arizona. I think Oregon is probably going to be a loss. I hate to say it. Um, I think at Arizona State, easily a win. You host Stanford, easily a win. At Cal, easily a win. Host Colorado, hmm, I think that's a toss-up. I'm going to lean Could see where the buffs State. are. Could see where we the buffs to, are at that point. Exactly. We don't know where they're going to be. And then, of course, at Washington to finish the season. You know, I'm feeling Washington, given how highly ranked they are. But, again, we don't know where either team will be at the time. But looking basically to give a quick summary – Washington State could finish the season, I think, as a two-loss team and get to a really good bowl. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I mentioned him before, but I think it all starts with Cameron Ward and this high-powered Washington State offense. I oh, was yeah. I was getting entranced by some of the stats I was looking at this week at Washington State. I mean, transfer from Incarnate Wood, Incarnate Word last year, an FCS football team. So far this season, four games, seventy four point six percent completion percentage, highest of his career, including his FCS career, obviously. 1,390 yards, 13 touchdowns, no picks. He's 11th in the Heisman odds. And just for a little reference, Sam Hartman stats, five games, 70% completion, 1,236 yards, 14 touchdowns, no picks, and he's 7th in the Heisman odds. Yeah, and 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 some favor, and he's getting favorability because he played for Notre Dame, right? And he was a, you know, a transfer from Wake Forest, you know, another Power 5 team. You look at Ward here, I mean, the fact that he went 28 of 34 last week, what 400 yards and what four touchdowns no Those picks are backyard football hasn't thrown Madden a pick this year no picks this guy's gonna be really good yeah it's exciting stuff yeah and i mean 
coming into this game, the Beavers defense of Oregon State, obviously ranking 13th in the FBS, gave up 352 yards in the first half. They finished with a total of 528 yards. They have the second best passing offense in the NCAA with 405.8 yards per game. The only team ahead of them cross state rival Washington ahead of them by ahead of them by a good bit. Cause, cause obviously Michael Penix has taken over the Heisman favorite, but yeah, I mean, yes. Cameron, Cameron, Cameron Ward is among a crop of great PAC 12 quarterbacks. Obviously, like I said, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix. I mean, yeah. the list goes on, but I think that we, we ought to do give Oregon state some credit and take a look at this ground game. Cause man, did if there was one thing that kept Oregon State in this shootout, it was their ability to run the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. they had a total of 39 rushes for 242 yards and four touchdowns as a team. Obviously, spread between Fenwick, Martinez, even DJ Uyungle getting some rushes in there for 61 yards and a touchdown. I mean, this this Oregon State ground game seems pretty legit. I mean, they're averaging 224.98 yards per game on the ground. You know, I think any time where you can spread the ball among two backs, don't forget about, you know, a guy like Damian Martinez in addition to Sean Fenwick, when you can, you know, sort of a two-headed monster there. And, of course, DJ Ugly as your quarterback as a dual threat. I think any time you can spread the ball to different backs, that makes you as a full team, you know, very much uh, a threat. You know, we talk a lot about in the NFL. It's like you look at most teams, it's like, oh, they have that one running back. You know, he's the guy that can get you 100 yards. I like how you sort of looked at Oregon State and said as a team they're getting 200-something yards, right? Because you got to look at the whole picture. And I think when you look at every single, you know, back in that, you know, that offense, when you look at everything together, you say, okay, Oregon State, their offense is high-powered. They have different pieces they can use. And as a running game, they're going to be very strong. Yeah, and I mean, this was actually the game that I picked for my game of the week last week. And I, I must say I correctly picked Washington State in this one. But my mm-hmm. key to the game last week because I said – that I think Washington State's air game was going to limit the amount that Oregon State could turn to the run. And I was right to some extent, but I was also dead wrong because they did not right. limit the amount that Oregon State turned to the run. Did the limit it, but the, win. but the air game was still did get the win. So, I'll, I'll, yeah, so. I'll, t- I'll take it as I'll take it as half a point. But before yep. we move into to the games of next week and get to our game of the week picks, I think that's something interesting to do to to shake things up is take a look at the college football playoff for the first mm. time and give give some locks we have and maybe maybe a sleeper that we got. So okay. so I'll let you go first. Let's hear let's hear who you got as your lock for the college football playoff. Okay, so this is tough because it's still so early. And again, as I always like to say, you know, one loss can derail your season. When you look at the top, uh, you know, when you look at the top 10, right, in the AP poll, you know, all of them are undefeated. You can make a case for a lot of these teams. Uh, right now, my lock, I mean, this is such a safe pick, but I got to go with Georgia, right? I mean, they've done it for so many years. And just based on what I've seen, I think that they're definitely a lock. And, and I think when I look at the other teams that I might think are also a lock, I think I can say Michigan or Ohio State one or the other, potentially both if weird things happen. But you're going to get one of those two teams from the Big Ten. And don't, I, don't, I don't sleep on Penn State either. So I think basically, let me just simplify it because I'm kind of rambling. From the SEC, you're going to get Georgia. From the Big Ten, you're going to get either Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State. From the ACC, you're probably going to get a Florida State if they continue to do what they do. And then that fourth team is going to either be Texas, Washington, or USC, maybe Oregon. Yeah, I think I think the team that I like the most, I mean, obviously Georgia is an, on another level than than the rest of these teams, but I really like Florida State. I really like them to get into the playoff. I mean, 
I think that they're the best team by far in the ACC, and and the re- the remaining schedule they have, their only ranked matchups are Duke, Miami, and Florida, and I I really just don't think those teams are on the same level as Florida State. I mean, they have a guy like Jordan Travis who's been going off. They have a big win. They blew out LSU in week one, beat Clemson last week. I mean, they need a little bit more from the receivers, but but I think that this offense is is going to be one of the best in, in college football behind one of the best quarterbacks in college football. So I think that that they, they're, they, along with Georgia, are teams that I really like. And then, like you said, I think one of those big 10 schools, if not two of them, are going to get in. Yeah, I think I, Texas so fascinating. is – Texas is interesting because I I have not really looked ahead at their schedule too much, but they really don't have a tough rest of the way. I mean, they have Kansas this week, Oklahoma mm-hmm. coming up, but if they can get through that, they're they're also a team that I think could definitely definitely be a lock to make to make the playoff. But but I, I I'm interested to hear a team that you might have that that might be a sleeper in your eyes because because I feel like there's always a team that kind of sneaks up late in the season and people are like, do they have enough juice to get in? Mm. I think, well, I think first to respond to your point about Florida State, I think you're absolutely right in that they, looking at the rest of their season, like they can absolutely make a run. See, my only concern with them was probably their their game against BC. BC's not a very good football team. They barely won. I know BC made a late run, but I guess they kind of put it in. The Red Bandana game. It was. a special game. I understand that. No, no, my sister goes to BC. So like, yeah, the atmosphere, that's always a very important game for obvious reasons, but you know, Florida State controlled that game, but they only won by two. And I, I, you know, to put it in context for our Fordham listeners, you know, BC played Holy Cross the week before, an FCS team that plays against Fordham. And BC only beat them by three, right? Yeah. And that's a team that plays at the FCS level against Fordham, right? So if if, if BC basically can, is about as good as Holy Cross, right? It's close. And Florida State only beat them by two. Is Florida State really that good? I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean, I know the math works I think out. Florida State's good. I think different games, but I'm just saying, like, that's the only thing that worries me. Like, those close games, I'm like, may, maybe one of these games against, like, a Duke, for example, or maybe uh, at Florida to finish the season, like, you know, things might not work out. But I, I do see them right on the table. In terms of a sleeper, uh, I think Penn State, I, wouldn't, I mean, it's weird to call them a sleeper, but because there's three teams that can make a run for it in the Big Ten, and you have two of them are ahead of Penn State, in Michigan and Ohio state. I think Penn state, like if, you know, they play both Michigan and Ohio state, if they can win one out of those two games, all of a sudden that completely flips, uh, you know, the deck and uh, they could easily, you know, sneak in. I think that my sleeper that I would say is a team that not a lot might be expecting to make the playoffs and definitely probably weren't expecting coming into the season is Washington. I think Washington is a juggernaut of a team. I think they're going to have a lot to prove the rest of the way, obviously with Oregon, USC, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, all still on the schedule. But I think that not only do they have the best passing offense in college football, I think they have the best offense by far in the Pac-12, and I don't think it's close, even with guys like Bo Nix in that conference. And I mean, the schedule the rest of the way is tough, but I mean, this Washington offense has a quarterback that is arguably the best in this draft class. And I mean, obviously Caleb Williams, but in terms of the Heisman, he's overtaken Caleb Williams. He's already thrown for 1600 yards and he's got, let me tell you three wide receivers on that offense that are going to be NFL guys one day. Oh, yeah. And that, and that's something scary when you look at college football and they, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure how their defense has been this year. It's been a little shaky. I know that they, they've been letting up some points, but but if you have an offense that's going for 560 yards a game, 
it's yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to keep up with that. So so I definitely like Washington as a team that that could sneak up late and, and jump into that playoff. Yeah, and it's not just you because I look at the AP. Somebody there was they got one vote for for first place. So I mean, obviously Georgia got fifty five, and all the other teams got a little bit more. But the fact that they got one vote, there's somebody out there. I'm gonna say I think Merrick Rhodes. Do you do you vote for the AP poll? I mean, <laughs> are you, are you doing stuff behind the scenes? But no, I can't no. say like, I can't say. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think I think with that, I think we can move along and take a look at next week because because it's not quite the the most ranked matchups since 2015 that we had last week, but there but there are some definitely good matchups. So jumping ahead to next week, looking at number 13 LSU and number 20 Ole Miss, LSU obviously coming off a bit of a thriller in a 34 to 31 victory over Arkansas, where Jaden Daniels went for 320 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, Ole Miss coming off a defeat in Tuscaloosa against number 13 at the time, Alabama. Jackson Dart, 244 yards, no touchdowns, a pick. He did run for a touchdown. But what what do you think about this matchup between these two teams who are who are kind of looking to take the next step in this SEC that is obviously always so competitive? Uh, well, I got to say, I love this matchup. I think – you know, you mentioned earlier in the pod that this weekend doesn't have the type of matchups as a whole that we saw last last week. Uh, but when you get a ranked SEC matchup like this, especially, you know, you got two teams in the SEC West, uh, especially a team like Ole Miss, you know, yeah, both teams in LSU and Ole Miss, they're both three and one. But if you look at those conference standings, Ole Miss is 0 and 1 in the conference, whereas LSU, they're 2 and 0. So this game has major standings implications, right, for, for the conference. So you don't want – if you're Ole Miss, you can't fall to 0-2 here, right? Um, so there's that. You also have to look at the fact that you got a 6 o'clock game, ESPN. You got a two-and-a-half-point spread. The ESPN circle is like – it's pretty even. So you know this game's going to be good. But who's going to win? You know, you know, I don't know why, but I, I, I feel like Ole Miss, like I just – Something about the fact, look, they're they're home. This game matters more for them in the standings. I love what they've done this season so far. You know, you have to look at some of their games. Look, I know they lost to Alabama. Alabama is a very good team. Alabama's Alabama, and they were in that game. They were only down a touchdown at you know in the fourth quarter until Alabama ultimately took the lead. They look great in all their other games. So I know Bama's not the same Bama as they always are, but if you can hang with Bama till the fourth quarter, I don't know. I feel like you have a good shot. Yeah, and I mean this is this is really going to be a matchup of two high high powered offenses. Obviously, LSU's offense ranked seventh in the nation, highest ranking offense in the SEC, tenth in pass yards per game. I mean, Ole Miss also a great offense, twenty second in the nation. They're the third ranked in the SEC behind Georgia. They have their 13th in pass yards per game. I mean, two good quarterbacks coming into this game in Jackson Dart and Jaden Daniels. And I'm really looking forward to see how these two quarterbacks match up because I think they they kind of present different styles at the position as well. But I think that I think that ultimately I think LSU is gonna walk away with this one because I think they have the better quarterback. And I also think that that they have, I mean, another aspect that is also extremely entertaining about this matchup is the coaching because you have Brian Kelly on one side, Lane Kiffin on the other, two, two of the better college Love football it. coaches right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how those guys attack this game. But I think it's really going to be a high-powered game because neither of these defenses are particularly good either, um, especially not against the pass. So I think that there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game. And 
both teams are looking to looking to answer some losses they had against top teams in the nation. Obviously, Ole Miss, like you mentioned, in a close one with with Alabama last week. LSU, not so much a close one early in the year to Florida, as I mentioned before. But I think Florida State or Florida State, sorry, but I think Florida State's a good team. I think I think Florida State's better team than Alabama is. But I think I think LSU is ultimately going to walk away with this one because I think they have the better quarterback in the matchup and they have some great wide receivers as well. They have um, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, who are both having great years, both over 400 yards, both with five touchdowns. I mean, I think I think that this is going to be a high scoring game. I'm not I'm not sure exactly what the over is. It's set at 67 and a half. But yeah, but hey, that's what that's that's all you need to know. And I think I think the over could hit because I mean oh, yeah. these these are two high powered offenses and two less than less than great defenses. I'll say I'll say it in that man. Yeah, I'm but, definitely yeah. feeling a shootout here. Final score somewhere in the 40s. Thinking a 45, 42 type game. It's going to be like that. Yeah. So moving along, I think that we can move forward to our game of the week picks, which which has become one of my favorite parts of the week because I've honestly been on a, on a bit of a hot streak this year with, with picking some good games. I'll let you go first. Let me know what your game of the week this week is. Well, you know, I was going to say the game we just talked about, but to make things interesting, you know what I'm going to do? I'll pick something different and I'm going to go with a game. That's not gonna, even going to be on Saturday. I'm going to go with the Utah Oregon state game. That's going to be played this Friday, nine o'clock on FS one. Oregon State's a four-point favorite. You know, we already talked a lot about Oregon State, so we know why they're good. They're coming off a tough loss to Washington State. And meanwhile, you got top 10 team in Utah going on the road. They're still 4-0. and You know, this is kind of their first big test. I know they played UCLA last week, but that was kind of a weird game. It was 14-7. You know, it felt like a game, you know, very low scoring. Um, you know, this is their first true big road test. And I'm very excited to see what Utah can do because if you look at Utah – uh, if you look at their schedule that they've played so far, teams aren't necessarily bad, but the games, they're pretty close aside from, you know, the one FCS or that, you know, the game that was a cupcake, but they only beat Baylor by seven. They only beat Florida by 13 and they only beat UCLA by seven. So if, can they hang with an offense like Oregon state, right? If it's going to be a shootout, I'm excited to see that there. I think there's a reason why Oregon state's favored by four. So this is my game of the week. Who do you have in that one? Oregon State? I have Oregon State. Yeah, I do. I think that that spread is fair. I think that they're going to win. And I think coming off a win or coming off a loss last week, you know, they're going to be more motivated. Yeah. I mean, my game of the week that I decided to look at comes out of the Big 12 because I'm picking number 24, Kansas, going on the road to take on number three, Texas, Saturday Ooh. on ABC, 330 window. It's the mat. It's a matchup of two undefeated Big 12 schools and some of the more highly touted quarterbacks in the conference. I mean, Kansas is not a team that really jumps off of the page at you as <laughs> as as a football school. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they're going to win, but there's some interesting okay. there's some interesting stuff that I found looking at this game. I mean, obviously right, you got me. Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers on the one side, he's he's number 3 in the Heisman rankings. Over 1000 yards, 9 touchdowns, 3 rushing touchdowns. But on the other side, you got Jalen Daniels. He he missed week 1, he was out with back stiffness. In three games, he's thrown for 700 yards, five TDs, one pick. He was the preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, so that that's that's not for nothing. This Texas defense, 18th-ranked rush defense, but this Kansas offense is the 12th-ranked rush offense. And so far this year, they've had 
four different running backs helping this offense with Devin Neal leading the way with carries with 57 carries for 394 yards, five touchdowns. We also have Daniel Hishaw who has, or Daniel Hyshaw, sorry, with 33 carries, 235 yards and three touchdowns. Dylan McDuffie has 20 carries. Sevion Morrison has a rushing touchdown. And I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know. my biggest thing is I think they're going to have a tough time running the ball if they get behind early, which I think they will. Obviously Texas had that big, big win week two against Alabama and Quinn Ewers played amazing in that game, throwing for three touchdowns. Like I mentioned, I think Kansas's problem is that their defense is going to lack the ability to stop this Texas offense and this Texas passing game. But I think, I think that if Kansas can Kansas can keep it close and, and and let their run game do some work, I think they can keep it to be a relatively close game. But ultimately, I think that Texas is going to win this one. But hey, like I said, with the Ole Miss and LSU game, I'm, I'm expecting some points out of this game. So I, I don't know if necessarily the over, I think it's around 61, but I, I don't know necessarily if the over is going to hit. But But I definitely am expecting some points in this one. But with that, Without Jack, I think his game of the week pick was Notre Dame Duke. So so keep an eye out for that. Uh, I'm assuming he, he would have picked. He, I, I'm assuming he would have picked Notre Dame in that one. But mm-hmm. with that, I'm pretty sure that is all the time we have. Obviously, a bit of an out of sorts episode with with the weather we got going on here in the Bronx today. But I'm Merrick Rhodes, joined by Bridge Gotham, formerly joined by Jack Warner before we lost him to the weather. Big thank you to Andrew Canieri because he because we're putting him through the through the ringer with this with this thank Zoom you, podcast. Appreciate but it, brother. That'll be all. Make sure to watch Florida, Kentucky, Kansas, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, Notre Fordham, Dame, Georgetown. Fordham, Georgetown. There we go. College Gridiron is a production of WFUB Sports. <laughs>